Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. All right, so if you've been with us for the last four weeks, I believe, we did a, we've been doing a series on discipleship, and we called it Multiply. And we, we wrapped that up last week, and these next couple of weeks, we're going to do what we call one-off sermons, just, just things what, what the Lord has laid on our heart. Um, but we're going to be launching into a new series in June, and we're going to do something we haven't done for a little while. We're going to go through a book of the Bible, and I'm not going to tell you what book we're going to go through. You're just going to have to show up and, and, and hear what we have to say. Um, but today we're going to talk about uh, just a, a foundational topic uh, as our walk, uh, in our walk with Jesus. It's something that, that I feel like God has do, been doing personally in me. He's been speaking to me. And one of the ways that, that God speaks, you see it throughout the word, is that he speaks through dreams. And, and I think many of you have experienced that. We have all kinds of examples in the word, uh, you know, from, from Joseph in the Old Testament to, to Joseph, the, the father of Jesus in the New Testament, the, of God speaking through dreams. And I want to introduce today's topic by, by sharing a dream that I had, and then we'll, we'll move into some scripture. So in this dream... I was, I was at an indoor swimming pool. Imagine like the Holiday Inn with all the, the cool water things going on. And, and, and I was doing exactly what you're not supposed to do. The floor was wet all around the pool and I was, I was running around the pool, like practically sprinting. And it, was, it was like, okay. Um, and and as, as I was running, I had this thought. I wonder, I wonder what would happen if I, if I jumped in. If I stepped out, and as soon as I did that, it was kind of like I was, I was sliding on the surface of the water, kind of like surfing, and I, I slid all the way to the, to the other side, and then <clears throat> I was like, oh, I wonder if that'll work again, and I slid over to the other side, and I was like, this is really cool, and so I jumped in, and then I could just slide all over the pool wherever I wanted to go. And that's how the dream ended. And usually my dreams are long and detailed, but as soon as I had that dream, I, I thought about um, in Matthew's gospel, in, in chapter 14, we see this picture of Peter walking on the water, but he started sinking. And what did Jesus point to as the issue? Why did he say, sink? It was his lack of faith. It was his lack of faith. And I think Jesus was actually speaking to me and wants to speak to us today about faith and how we actually need to be running. We need to be running in faith, so to speak. I recently read this uh, biography, a wonderful biography of, of John Wimber. And if you don't know who he is, um, he was the, the founder of the Vineyard Movement of Churches. Um, and he was, he, was, he was a revivalist. He was someone who came from a, a Quaker background, this, this you know, foundational biblical background, and, and moved into the things of the Spirit. And he had this wonderful balance of, of, of the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word, something that we are, are so about here at Burning Hearts. But he had this saying, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. And today I want, I want to talk about faith and, and hopefully encourage us to take risk in our faith. Faith is critical, it's foundational, 
to who we are as Christians. In 1 Corinthians 13, you know, Paul talks about the big three, I like to call it. You know, these three remain faith, hope, and love. And in fact, what, you know, we often call our, our walk with Jesus the faith. And that's because it takes faith to be a Christian. We need to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was real, that it was for us, and that when we surrender to him, our, our sins can be forgiven and we can have eternal life. That's faith. Faith is how you enter the kingdom of God. It's, it's foundation. It's, it's foundational to who we are. You might be familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, which is often called the hall of faith. Like God loves faith, and he's, de he's designed his, his kingdom to work with faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us a definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I think we have this scripture uh, up there on the screen, if, if you can get that up there. I really like the New King James Version. It says the, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not just the absence of unbelief. And it's not just like this, this head knowledge that we have. Faith, faith is real. It has substance. It's a spiritual reality. And sometimes I think we've, we've reduced faith to psychology. It's, it's, if we simply think something enough or even declare it or say it enough, what you might call um, positive confession, we start to believe it, and that's faith. But I think it's more than that. It, it, it's a spiritual reality, like I said, and it's something that, that connects. Like, say I'm over here and I have this head belief. Like, I, I know in the Word that God can do something. And over here is me actually doing something about it. And faith is the spiritual reality here in the middle that connects the two. Faith is real. And to, to side note on that, on that positive confession thing, many of you probably know about a movement or several movements that have happened in history. I, started, I, I just finished a class on revival history. That's why I'm talking about all this stuff. There's, there's this faith cure movement that, that was in the late 1800s where people actually um, realized that, oh, we could pray for the sick and, and they can get healed. And then later in, in the last century, there was the word of faith movement with leaders such as Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland. And, and these movements did some excellent things for, for you know, teaching about faith and, and the connection that, that if we receive, so we, we receive salvation through faith, which I just talked about, but they connected that to, to every other, you know, if that's how we receive salvation, then we should receive every other promise of God through the same thing, through faith, right? They, these movements understood the promises of God, the power of our tongue, whether positive and, and negative, but as with every movement, there was some excesses um, and some that I would not, I would not uh, recommend. Like the, the faith cure movement thought that seeking any kind of medical attention was a lack of faith. Well, we shouldn't do that. Um, it, it's not wise. And, and God can use any, any form of, of um, healing, any means to bring healing to us. 
Another excess they had was the, this name it and claim it or confess it and possess it, especially in regards to material wealth and prosperity. Um, those are excesses, but there was so much good that came out of those movements in, in, in helping us realize what faith really is. And, and, they, and they did teach us that there's this responsibility on us as individuals to act out in faith. And that's what I want to talk about next for a little bit. So if we go to James chapter 2, this will be a familiar passage to many of you. It says, what good is it? I think we have it on the screen. There we go. My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And what James is saying here is that it's not just enough to believe. It's just not enough to have this, this head uh, belief, this head knowledge. We, we, we actually, it's not just enough to even say something. We need to have action. We need to step out or else he called our faith dead. Again, think of this, this example of salvation. When I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I believe that I'm, I'm, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, that I'm going to have eternal life with him. I have this assurance. I'm not, I'm not saved by works, right? But I better have changed the way that I think. I better have changed the way that I act. I live in such a way that I've turned away from sin. I've repented. I don't do the things that I've done before, but more than that, I do the things that the Bible tells me to do. Those are the actions that back up my faith that I am saved. And we'll, we'll go into that scripture in just a minute. But if we'll, we'll give some other examples. If I have faith that God is going to provide for me, if I'm, I'm trusting him with my finances, if I have faith in him, then I better give generously. If I have faith that God wants to not only save me, but save others, I better share the gospel. If I have faith that God wants to heal someone, then I should pray for them. If I have faith that God has called me to some certain thing, then I better take steps towards that, acting in faith. Faith requires an action. Let me say it this way. Everything, I believe, in the kingdom is actually accessed through faith. You've probably heard me say it before. It's like, it's like the currency of heaven. It's, it's what enables kingdom transactions to occur is faith. And this transaction we talked about with salvation, Ephesians 2.8, it, it's the first transaction. We get into the kingdom by faith. That's the first transaction that needs to occur. Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's like, so we can't boast. It's the gift of God. So we get into the kingdom by faith. We receive the promises of God through faith. 
Going back to Hebrews 11, we see Abraham, you know, receiving the place that God had promised him to, to live by. He had to leave his homeland, right? He even left his family. He and Sarah received their son Isaac through faith. Isaac, it says, acted in faith when he blessed his children. Jacob did the same. It was by faith that Moses left Egypt. It was by faith that he you know, kept the Passover, uh, having faith that God was going to protect the Israelites. He had faith, and the Israelites had faith that if they walked through the Red Sea, that God was going to protect them. It, 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 all of these promises that we've been given by God require faith. In the New Testament, we see Jesus commending people for their faith, and, and especially being linked to uh, receiving miracles. You know, the woman who pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. She had faith. The friends of the paralytic who lowered, um, lowered their friend down to Jesus on a mat. The faith of the centurion, which Jesus said, truly, I've never seen faith like that in Israel, right? The Syrophoenician or the, or the Canaanite woman uh, faith her daughter was healed because of that. There, there's so many more examples of, of Jesus commending faith. It's, it's important to, to God. And I'm not saying that God does not and will not just do things sovereignly. But I think more often than not, he, he requires, he wants to partner with faith. There's a sobering verse which really hit me when I read this, uh, I think it was a couple years ago. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I really want to please God. I want to please him so much. And I need to have faith to do that. And the beautiful, beautiful part of this whole thing is that he's actually created us to have faith. He's created us to have faith. It's not just something we have to, you know, work, work to do. He's created it for us. And he gives us faith as a gift. And I think a lot of times what we run into is that unbelief or our current circumstances surrounding our life or, or our history, things that have happened in our past, those are the things that keep us from having faith. And we're going we're gonna to pray over some of those things at the end. But I want to spend the last part of this just talking about two different aspects of faith that I like to call them. And, and these are things I learned from uh, Dr. Randy Clark. And first, I want to talk about the, the gift of faith. So let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And what's interesting 
That first part of verse 22, have faith in God. The Greek word there, in, could actually be translated as of, and it is in, in some translations and even in, in, in other languages. And if you read that, if, if that becomes of, the context becomes a little bit different. Like this faith of God becomes something that he gives to us, not something that we work to have. And what, what I believe that's talking about there is, is it's the gift of faith. All we need to do is receive it. And th this gift of faith, in that sense, is simply a knowing of God's will and agreeing with it, right? The gift of faith is, is also a gift of, of the Holy Spirit. So I want to connect that passage to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. So this is part of the list of, list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. To one there is given the spirit of a message of wisdom, to another message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. So we have the gift of faith in there. And the gift of faith comes as it is. <laughs> it's of God, or it's, it's from God. We don't earn it, and we don't work it up. We receive it, and we act on it, like I said. It's one of those moments, you know, there's, there's two words for time. There's chronos and kairos in Greek. It's a kairos moment where God steps in and gives us faith. And we just partner with him. And I've heard it described as something, you just like, you just know that you know that this is going to happen. It's, it's situational. And there's not this, there's no ounce of, of doubt in you. And I can't say it's something that I've experienced a lot, but, but a few times I've experienced similar things. I remember one time praying for a person to be healed. And honestly, it was probably one of the first times I ever had um, it was 2007. I still remember it. And I remember praying for this woman in, in this conference. And, and all of a sudden I was praying. I'm like, oh, like she is, she's, she's healed. And she had uh, tendonitis and tennis elbow. And, and, then, and then I almost stopped praying at that point. And, and all of a sudden we stopped and asked her to, to test it out. And she was like doing all these things that she couldn't do before. And I was like, oh, wow, that was, that was faith that I had in that moment. Another kind of silly, non-spiritual uh, example I had. Uh, so in high school, I think I was, was maybe ninth grade or something like that. We had this raffle raising money for something. And I just remember having this confidence. I was, I was going to win the raffle. I don't remember if I just bought one ticket or five, like not, not much. And I remember even re remarking to, to one of my friends at the time, I was like, oh, that's all I need. And the funny thing is, I won the raffle. I won a TV. And, and it was just like, that was weird, God. And, and I don't think that was the gift of faith in the minute, but I think it's like that, right? It's just like, I'm going to win the raffle. I'm going to, this thing is going to happen when I step out, right? So how do we receive the gift of faith? We just simply ask for it. He's a good father and he gives good gifts to his children. So we can receive the gift of faith Let's look at a different aspect of it, this, this measure of faith. And it, it, this is still a gift, but it's something that we can grow. And I think we have a responsibility, actually, to grow in our faith. In Romans 12, 
Verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Or if you look, that's the NIV. If you look at it in the the New American Standard, it says in proportion to one's faith. And that proportion is this Greek word metron, which is a measure. And if it's a measure, it implies that it's something that can be increased. And the measure of our faith can be increased by, by getting to know and understand the ways of God. And, and, and we can do that by, by means of use, by, by stepping out. What I mean is, if you, if you step out and God comes through in a situation, all of a sudden you've got this history of God, you've got this bank, this bank account of faith that, oh, that grew, that happened. Okay, so next time I see the same condition or, or the same situation or I believe in God for this, I have this history that says he can do it again. And my faith is there and it goes again. Or sometimes we have stories of someone else that, that can act as our, our, our spiritual bank account of faith. You have confidence in, in things that God can do and you even start to believe him for greater things because you have faith. So I want to I talk about just a few ways that we can grow in our faith, and then, then we're going to pray. So we can grow in our measure of faith by meditating or focusing. So meditating, not, not the weird kind of meditating, but focusing, like, like filling our mind with what God has done. And we can do that through reading, memorizing the word of God, right? Right? We can read and listen to stories of what God has done in history. And we can read or, or listen to current testimonies of, of what he's doing now. Those are, those are ways where we can, we can fill our spiritual, our faith bank account. Number two, we, we have to step out and try things. That's the only way we're going to learn the ways of God. Like God, okay, God doesn't work in patterns, but, it, but sometimes I think he limits himself. He, he gives us constraints so we can learn what he's doing in a moment, right? And so, you, I don't know, a, a great example, but you, you, you might be praying for someone and all of a sudden you get this, this thought in your head and you're like, oh, last time, you know, I prayed for someone who needed financial need, you know, had financial needs. This is, this is what happened. So, I hear this again, I'm going to pray for this again. Whatever it might be. Like he, we, we learn to, to, when we step out, we learn his ways and how he speaks to us personally. You start to learn how the gifts of the Spirit work together. Number three, we can grow in our measure of faith by praying in the Spirit. Jude 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's a way that we can, we can strengthen our inner man and, and grow in faith by praying in the Spirit. And number four, simply ask him to help you grow in faith. So we have these, these two aspects of faith. It's a gift from him, but it's something that we have a responsibility to grow in. And I wanted to talk about it this way because we need, to ha we need to understand that we have a responsibility 
to receive and a responsibility to cultivate and a responsibility to act or else it, receive, it, it ceases to be faith. Faith is a mystery. Faith is a mystery. It's one of the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but it's, it's absolutely foundational to who we are as Christians. We can talk about faith like this and, and, and study some aspects of it in the word, but the funny thing is we're, we're never going to figure out faith, but we need to know that we need it. We need to become like children again, right? Jesus said that we need to be like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. So we need to cultivate this childlike mindset regarding faith. And remember, remember Jesus. That we fix our eyes on him the author and the perfecter, or the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. All right, can I have everyone stand up? I want to pray. Just take a moment and... Do, do just that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The first thing I want to do is, is pray over circumstances that have robbed us of our faith. So, Father, I pray over everyone in this room, Lord, that may have experienced something in their past or, or they may experience, maybe experiencing circumstances in their life that have, have caused their faith to dwindle. And so, Father, right now, I pray. I pray for every disappointment, everything that we've attributed to God that wasn't actually Him, to be washed away right now in Jesus' name. Those times when people didn't come through and, and we've, we've allowed that to, to affect our view of the goodness of God. Lord, I ask right now that you heal those places in people's hearts. I ask that you make hearts whole today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And even hope, I, I pray where, where hope deferred has made the heart sick. Lord, I pray that desire fulfilled would become the tree of life in this room, in Jesus' name, and that hope would become the doorway to faith. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. And I pray right now for people who are looking at this, the circumstances in their life and they look like giants or they look like walls. Father, I pray that you take down the giants in people's lives. Take down the giants in our mindsets. Take down the giants that are keeping us from stepping out in you, Father. I pray that walls are torn down right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that we would be like the Israelites at Jericho that we would be marching around in faith. God told us to do something. We don't know why, but we're going to do it, and the walls are going to fall down. I pray that walls fall down in people's lives today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And Father, I pray for people who, again, where, where fear has taken a hold of them, where the fear of man has taken a hold of them, where the fear of failure has caused them, has robbed them of their faith. We just silence those things in the name of Jesus and ask that you come with your love. Help us to step out in you, Lord. Help us to step out in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. A few other things I want to pray for. Um, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus the way that we've been talking about, if, if you don't know him the way that we've been singing about where we, we can enter into his presence, the presence of the Father because of the blood of Jesus, if, we, if, if you don't have intimate relationship with him, you can. All you need to do is believe in what he did on the cross and you need to confess him as Lord and Savior. The word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So all you need to do is call on him. So Father, I just pray if there's anyone in this room that they would call on you right now, and if that's you, just, just call on him. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me of what I've done. I repent. I change my ways, and I choose to follow you today. I don't even understand, but I, I want relationship with you. I want to know your love in greater measure. I believe, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burninghartsfargo.com.